podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Happy Friday, boys and girls. It's another podcast. I'm Dave Hendrick. And you're joining me flying solo for about an hour to cover transfer gossip, breaking news. And given that it's awards season, I thought I'd hand out my own personal Premier League awards to those I feel are deserving after the 1920 season. So let's start with the big news of today. The news that I've been waiting for for about five and a half years the news that most people have probably only been waiting for for three or four because most people have more patience than I do. Uh, But Michael Edwards, the genius that he is, the savant-like businessman that he is, has landed a deal to send Dejan Lovren to Zenit St. Petersburg for about $10.9 That's about $10 more than he's actually worth. So fantastic deal by, by Edwards. Uh, to rid Liverpool of Lovren. It it does represent, obviously, a big loss on what we paid for him when Brendan Rodgers signed him from Southampton. Uh, We're taking a massive hit on both the the big failures from Southampton that summer, Lalana and Lovren. We paid about £45 for them. We got about three good months out of uh, Lalana at the start of the 16-17 season. Aside from that, he's been poor, he's been injured... He's had terrible luck with injuries, and I hope wherever he goes next, he goes in in a squad role with a manager who's not going to be as demanding on him physically as a Kloppo. He should definitely stay stay very clear of Sean Dyche Dyche because he will ruin his hamstrings within a week. Uh, Brighton looks like the move for me, or Bournemouth. I know they're probably going down, but Championship might be his level. If he wants to play regularly, Championship might just be Adam's level at this point in his career. Um, but we're losing about £35 million on, on Lalana and Lovren, which is a lot of money. Uh, but, you know, to get rid of both, to save on the wages, that's about two hundred and twenty grand a week that we're saving on them. Saving another 110 or so on Klein, uh, although, again, we've taken a, a £12 million loss on him. So... There's pluses and, and negatives to this. Big savings on wages, but we have lost quite a bit of money uh, on the transfer fees on those players over the over the ten years that they've had with the club. Uh, other news today: Jordan Henderson has been announced as the uh, Football Writers Player of the Year. Um, most of the journalists who seem to voted from have said that his off-field contributions uh, with regards to the NHS and that factored largely into their thinking his his leadership and that kind of thing as well uh very few actually said it was down to his performances on the pitch um some have said it's deserving dom king and a couple of others and i suppose if you take out mané trent virgil allison fabinho andy robertson and mo salah take them out of the equation yeah you could make an argument at that point that maybe he's been liverpool's best player but if they're in the mix, he hasn't. And Kevin De Bruyne and Mo Salah, and sorry, Kevin De Bruyne and Raheem Sterling of Manchester City have both had superior seasons. 
But uh, in more comedy relating to the uh, Football Writers uh, Award, Man City fans are losing their minds. Uh, absolutely outraged that it's gone to a Liverpool player again, even though Raheem Sterling won it last year. They're losing their minds that Kevin De Bruyne has been overlooked for the award. He came second, but he'll win the, the Players' Player of the Year award, I'd imagine. That's generally the one that has a little bit more sense behind it. Um, we saw votes cast. Marcus Rashford finished third, which is really strange. Um, Johnny Evans got a vote or two. Aaron Wan-Bissaka got a vote. Jack Grealish got a vote. I mean, Jack Grealish hasn't even been the best player at his own club. Neither has Henderson, but, you know, Liverpool at least won the league. Jack Grealish hasn't been the best player at his club, and they might get relegated. Johnny Evans is the second best centre-back at Leicester. Uh, Aaron Wan-Bissaka has been United's third best defender this season. I don't understand where these... Uh, journalists should have to admit who they voted for. It should be published who everybody voted for. And they should be ridiculed for votes like Juan Bissaka, Johnny Evans and Jack Grealish. That's just bananas. Um, so let's do my awards then. Let's start off with the Player of the Year award. Um, it came down to three people. And in the end... I, I went with the one who I think has most consistently contributed to his team winning games by playing at an exceptionally high level and making match-winning contributions throughout the course of the season, and that's Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane is my footballer of the year. I think he has been absolutely magnificent throughout. I don't think he's had any type of dip. I think Bobby had quite a big dip. Mo had a dip. I think there was a, a period of the season where De Bruyne wasn't great. Henderson had a really poor first three months. Van Dijk hasn't been very good since the restart. I think he's the only one who's consistently held a level across the entire season. And for that reason, Sadio Mane is my footballer of the year. My top five would be rounded out with De Bruyne number two. Trent. Ant Alexander-Arnold, number three. Virgil van Dijk, number four. And Raheem Sterling, number five. And Raheem Sterling won this award last season. But I actually think he's had a better year this season um, in a worse team. I think he's been better. I think his goal numbers have gone up again. I think he makes more contributions that aid winning. Raheem Sterling has developed into a phenomenal player. And um, those that laughed when Liverpool sold him and said that we robbed City of 50 million. Look very, very foolish at the moment. Raheem Sterling is number five on my list. Uh, I think all five of those uh, had had excellent seasons. Uh, Young Player of the Year is a no-brainer for me. It's Trent Alexander-Arnold. I think the level he has displayed over the past 12 months, he's taken a big step forward from last season when he was great. I think he's borderline world-class at this point. I think he's currently the best right-back playing in, in world football. Defensively, he's he's better than people give him credit for. And going forward, he's the primary playmaker of the best team in the world. And he's 21 years of age. And he plays right-back. That's staggering to me. Um, so Trent is my number one. 
I don't have a, a top five in this because I don't believe there are five worth getting into. Others, though, worth mention. I think Harvey Barnes had a really nice season uh, for Leicester. Mason Greenwood, um, as a breakthrough player, has been really, really promising uh, for Les for United and also Brandon Williams at United. I think the the run of games he had uh, earlier this season, he showed that he's he's definitely the left back of the future there. He's definitely going to be a big player for them, and I think that they can be really excited about the future with, with Williams and with Greenwood. Manager of the year. Now this should be this this does seem like an obvious one. Um and I have gone for the obvious choice. I have gone for Jurgen Klopp as manager of the year, but I do think there's a couple of others that deserve credit. I think Frank Lampard deserves credit. I think he has overperformed at Chelsea this year. And if they finish the season in the top four and win the FA Cup, I think that's a really good season for his first year at the club, having stepped up from the championship level last year, working with a squad of players that wasn't ideal under a transfer embargo and getting the most out of players who'd maybe underperformed under previous managers. So Frank has done really well. I think Chris Wilder has done brilliantly. Um, a tremendous job at, at Sheffield United. Tactically, I think he's very, very good. I think his team is fun to watch. They've shown no fear of the big clubs this year. And I know they've had a dip post-reopening uh, or project restart, but for the first six, seven months of the season, they were great, and he did a tremendous job. So, doff of the cap to him, doff of the cap to Frank. But Jurgen Klopp is the manager of the year, and it, it's quite obvious for, for what. Um, and then on to my team of the year. Then um, a couple of difficult decisions, a couple of very easy decisions in this. I've gone with a four-two-four formation uh, for my team of the year because I think that gets in the the best players, um, or my my view on the best players this year. Um, a little bit controversial with the goalkeeper. I've gone for Dean Henderson. I have absolutely no argument that Alison Becker is the best goalkeeper in the league, but Dean Henderson played every game, and I think he has been really important to getting Sheffield United to where they are in the league. In any other season, I'd have gone for Alison, but this team is going to be heavily Liverpool influenced, so I thought a little bit of uh, diversity in the team. Uh, Dean Henderson, great, great season. Um, right back is Trent. It's obvious there's no there's no competition in this position this year. Left back, there's two options, Andy Robertson or Ben Chilwell. I'm going for Andy Robertson. I know he hasn't been as good since the restart, but he was incredible all the way from August through to the lockdown. And... His consistency is just remarkable. So Andy Robertson is my left back. Virgil's a no-brainer. You see, you just pen him in. The, the team list comes with him already there. You make the rest up around him. Uh, the leader of, of the defence, the player who's made the biggest difference to Liverpool um, upon arrival, we're nowhere without him. Virgil van Dijk is, is world-class. Um, my second centre-back, I'm going with Kaglar Sionchu. 
from Leicester. Uh, I thought he was great for the first half of the season. And then as the team sort of fell apart around him, I thought he really stepped up to the mark. Now, post-restart, he hasn't been as good. But when Leicester started to wobble in January and February, he was consistently excellent for them and held that team together. I think he's a great leader. I think he's a really, really good defender. If I was Man City or Chelsea and looking for a top-end defender to bring in, he's the one I'd go for. If I was Liverpool and looking for a top-end defender, he's the one I'd go for. I think he's got everything you you require in a top-class centre-back, and he's only going to get better from here. Um, Into midfield, then I've only gone for two. I've gone for Fabinho. August, truth of the injury, he was great. He got injured and then obviously came back, wasn't so good, and then there was the lockdown. But since the lockdown, I think he's been the best player in the league. Um, I think he was arguably the best player in the league for the first three and a bit months as well. So I've gone for him and Kevin De Bruyne as my two midfielders. De Bruyne needs no explanation. He's been magnificent. In my front four, I've gone for Sterling on the right, Mane on the left, and through the middle, I've gone for Salah, who I think has been great. He had a dip, maybe not as good as previous seasons, but I still think outstanding. And then it's a toss of the coin for the other one, Vardy or Ings. They've both had great seasons. I'll go with Ings because I think he just deserves it a little bit more. I think he does a little bit more for the team. So Henderson, Alexander-Arnold, Soyuncu, Van Dijk, Robertson, De Bruyne, Fabinho, Sterling, Salah, Ings and Mane. That's my 11 uh, for the season. Obviously, people are going to have different views, but that's who I think is, is most deserving of recognition. And my final award then is Most Improved Player of the Year. I've already mentioned him. Kagler Sianchu, I think from last season where he was only a squad player at Leicester, they sell Harry Maguire for a world record fee. He steps in. And is levels better than Maguire was for for Leicester. Levels better than Maguire has been for for, um, for United. I think after Van Dijk, the second best defender in the league this year. I think in, in real terms, he's probably third. I think Laporte probably gets in ahead of him. But either way, he's top three in the league. He's a, a great centre-back, a great leader. And I think he's really established himself this year. And will go on to bigger and better things. Though I hope he stays at Leicester for another year. I'd like to see them keep that team together. If they can. And maybe add a partner for him. And someone to play on the right. I think they're the only two things they're needing at the moment. To make that next step up. So they're my awards. Like I say. I understand people will have differing views on it. And that's absolutely fine. They're my own personal views on, on the season. Um, let me know in on, on Discord if you agree or disagree or who you'd have. Um, that's just mine. Right, moving on then to the transfer gossip. Uh, as usual, using the bbc.com forward slash sport forward slash football forward slash gossip to have a quick look at what is going on in the footballing world and, and what players have been linked with who. Um, Valencia are standing fir- firm over the fee they want for winger Ferran Torres with Man City 
keen to sign the Spain under 21 international. That's from the Telegraph. Uh, Torres is a good young player. I'm not sure he's a great young player. He's not the same type of winger as Leroy Sané. He's certainly not as as good as Leroy Sané or likely to reach Sané's level. Uh, City's pursuit of him is, I think, largely down to the fact that there aren't many great wingers available at the moment. He would come in as a, a little bit of a project, but with Mares, with Sterling, you don't need an automatic starter. You need someone to come in for the long term and develop. That's what they're getting there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they pay for him in the end. Like, like I say, I think he'll be good, not great. Um, hopefully they have to overpay for him. That's always fun. Chelsea have been watching Atletico Madrid and Uruguay defender Jose Jimenez with manager Frank Lampard keen to address his team's defensive frailties. Again, that's from the Telegraph. Jimenez is a great defender. Jimenez is one of the 10 best centre-backs in the world. There's absolutely no doubt about that. However, he is injury-plagued. And also, I don't know that he's the best fit for Chelsea. What Jimenez needs is he needs a manager who sets up a solid defensive unit. And he needs a partner who's a calming presence. He'll find neither at Chelsea. Lampard is as clueless as they come defensively. You can see that by the fact that he jumps to a back three in big games while using a back four as his base formation through the season. That's always the mark of a blagger. We see Rodgers do it as well. Solskjaer does it too. Arteta does it as well. It's managers who don't know how to set up a defensive unit that do things like that. Um, You look at the potential partners for him at Chelsea. Zuma is a complete space cadet. The idea of those two together is mind-bogglingly bad. Uh, Rudiger is inconsistent and not a communicator and not really all that reliable, makes quite a few mistakes. The one they have who could be a good fit with him is Andreas Christensen, but he hasn't made any progression over the past two years. He seems to have fallen out of favour with Frank, and there's been rumours he's one they'll look to move on. Jimenez and Christensen could be a very good partnership. Their attributes link well together. They've got very similar mindsets. I think Christensen as a talker and as someone to keep Jimenez on a, lay, on, on a lead would be what they need. I don't think they'll get Jimenez. I think the price will be 60 to 70 million because it's Atletico Madrid and that's what they want for all their players. I don't think Chelsea will have that kind of money. But I also just don't think he's the right one for them because of the injuries and because of the lack of a proper partner there for him. I think if you buy him, you have to buy another. And I just don't see them having that kind of money this summer once they finish buying all the attackers that they want. Uh, Leroy Sané appeared to confirm his own unveiling at Bayern Munich, oh, sorry, appeared to confirm during his own unveiling at Bayern Munich that his German teammate Kai Havertz is headed to Chelsea from Bayer Leverkusen this summer. That's from the mail, and it's typically the mail making a mountain out of Molehill. It's not really what he said. He said that he was open to the move. Um, but as all parties have confirmed, Chelsea have made no official approach to Leverkusen. Uh, Chelsea and Havertz's agent have reached an agreement on personal terms for the Leverkusen midfielder. This is from Nicolo Shira on Twitter via the star. Um, not to be disparaging, but as far as I can remember, Nicolo Shira is one of those guys who just 
throws a load of stuff out and then deletes the stuff that was wrong. Basically, a wannabe uh, Fab Romano. I'm not sure he's someone that's uh, relied on or should be seen as a source. So he's not someone I'm going to put any stock into. It wouldn't surprise me if Chelsea have agreed a fee or have agreed terms with the agent. Um, but in truth, that really means nothing. Players agree, players' agents agree terms with new clubs regularly, and it doesn't it doesn't amount to much. He may well end up at Chelsea. Um, I won't give it too much concern though, because like I said, Frank isn't going to be able to coach a defense anytime soon. Uh, Blues boss Frank Lampard is interested in West Ham defender Declan Rice, but Hammers legend Tony Carr has told the twenty one year old not to go. That's from the Express. First of all, Declan Rice hasn't played as a defender in a couple of years. He plays as a central midfielder. Um, Frank may want to convert him into a defender. And maybe that would work, but not under Frank. That's going to require a coach who knows how to convert and develop defenders. Frank has shown nothing to suggest he can do that yet. So I wouldn't be too concerned if I was a... West Ham fan, I think Rice is better off staying put, at least for one more year. If he's going to make the transition, he'd probably be better off doing it under Moyes and probably be better off doing it next to someone like Issa Diop. Um, and doing it at a West Ham where kind of mid-table is the expectation. If he goes to Chelsea and they try it and he makes mistakes and it doesn't go well, what you could well see there is a lot of pressure and a lot of abuse towards a young player. Um... Arsenal target Philippe Coutinho has asked his agent to pause talks until the 28-year-old midfielder has finished his Champions League duties with Bayern Munich. Arsenal don't have any money. Um, they've been very, very clear on that. Arteta has come out and said they need to sell to buy, and they're not going to be able to sell the scraps they have at their club uh, to afford Coutinho. And the only way they can afford his wages is if Mesut Ossel leaves, leaves, and Ossel has been very clear he doesn't want to leave. Why would he leave? They're paying him £350,000 a week and he barely has to do anything for it. He goes in, he works hard in training and then he sits his ass on the bench when it comes to the weekend. That man is not leaving. He does not want to go to China. He has offers to go to America next summer in 2021 when his contract expires. But nobody's going to pay, pay for him. And even if Arsenal try and just give him away on a free... They'll have to make up the remainder of his contract. They're not going to get any money off him at all. The others that might leave, I mean, Lacazette could leave, but his values definitely dropped from where it was a couple of years ago. Guendouzi will leave. People are saying he's going to be 40, 50 million. I think that's delusional. I think 20 million max. A, a, a decent player, but nothing special with a known attitude problem. I don't know why anybody would be looking to pay big money for him. Uh, I think Arsenal are going to struggle to 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 sort their team out this summer because of the lack of investment that seems likely. Brighton have no plans to sell English defender Ben White to Leeds, where he has been on loan this season. This is wise. This is a good decision by Brighton. They should be keeping him long term and partnering him with Webster. That can be your centre-back pairing for years to come. Absolutely the right move to keep him. Leeds do need central defensive help this summer. Um, and I, I can see them going out and buying. It wouldn't surprise me if someone like Phil Jones ended up there. Or Chris Smalling, maybe. Uh, I think they'll have to buy. 
but I don't think they'll be spending big money on a centre-back. I don't know that they'll spend big money anywhere because of the risks of, you know, spunking a load of money and then ending up back in the Championship. But maybe Chris Smalling would fit there. Uh, Bayern Munich say their Spanish international midfielder, Thiago Alcantara, 29, will not be allowed to leave the club cheaply after he was linked to Liverpool. Um, I don't believe them. I believe he will be allowed to leave the club cheaply. The more I hear about this deal, the more likely I think it is. I think Thiago becomes a Liverpool player. And I think we get him for the price we want uh, rather than the price Bayern want. Benfica have ended their pursuit of Uruguay forward Edinson Cavani with the former Paris Saint-Germain player demanding around £18 million per season. That's from Abola in Portuguese. Uh, well, £18 million a season is um, is extravagant. I don't think there was ever really much chance of him going to Benfica. They're not a club that's going to pay massive wages to anybody, uh, let alone a 33-year-old who's on the decline. I still think Cavani has a role to play at a top club somewhere, but I don't think it's as a starter, and I don't think it's getting superstar money. Um, he's obviously been a remarkable player over the course of his career. Palermo, Napoli, PSG, and of, of course with the Uruguay national team. He's he's one of the best strikers of the last 10 years. Um, he was world-class for a number of years. And even when he went to PSG and they were playing him right wing because they had Zlatan through the middle, he was still banging in 30 goals a season. So he, he's a great player. Uh, but I think his, his wage expectations are going to need to come down, especially as he's always talked about going home to finish his career. Nobody in Uruguay is giving you 18 million a season. So if you want to stay in Europe, be a little bit more realistic. Uh, Italian Serie C side Como have confirmed they are in talks to sign former Man City and Liverpool forward Mario Balotelli, um, the 29-year-old Italy international is set to leave his current club, Brescia. Brescia, of course, are going down, hence him leaving because they can't afford to keep his wages. Not sure they'd want to. He didn't have uh, a particularly good season for Brescia this season gone. But um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Uh, their owner is mega rich. He's worth about $14 billion, So, you know, that'll be worth keeping an eye on. Um, Manchester United Executive Vice Chairman Ed Woodward is looking to appoint a director of football at the club this summer. We're already in the middle of the summer. Like, if he wanted to appoint a director of football, they should have been in place during the lockdown so that they could put plans in place for the upcoming transfer window. Appointing one now is pointless. You might as well wait till after this transfer window's over and appoint them so they can work towards January and work towards next summer. It's absolute nonsense. Uh, what a terribly run club they've become. Jesse Lingard has urged his fellow England midfielder, Jaden Sancho, to leave Borussia Dortmund and join him at Manchester United this summer. That's from the Evening Standard. Um, well, first of all, Jesse Lingard might not, not be at Man United next season, uh, but Jaden Sancho absolutely should not go there. Uh, that's a step down for him at this point. Dortmund are a better team than them. 
Uh, they've got a better manager, even though the manager's not all that good, and they're a much better run club. He should stay where he is till next summer, and all the big clubs will come in for him. Um, and yeah, the, he'll get better offers next summer. Simple as that. Sancho is one of five additions that Manchester United boss Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants to make to his squad. However, he may want to may have to sell some of his fringe players to generate funds. They don't really have anybody to sell that's going to bring in money. That's the simple fact of it. The likes of Alexis, the likes of Smalling, the likes of Jones, the likes of Lingard, these are all on ridiculous money. They're not going to bring big fees. They're also all 30 or thereabouts. They're also all poor. Um, they're not going to get big money for any of the fringe players they have. If you look through United squad, there's just there's nothing there. There's no real fat to trim. Unless someone wants to come in and offer decent money for Eric Bailly, who's always injured and has done nothing of note for the last two and a half seasons, there's no money to be raised in that squad. Uh, they're going to struggle to find the money to buy anybody. Miguel Delaney said yesterday, I think it was, that United's starting price for Sancho was about $55 million and they were hoping to get him for around 80 well, that falls 110 million short. Sorry, it falls 30 million short of the 110 million that Dortmund have made it very clear that they want. So I don't think there's any possibility that they have the money to get him, let alone four others. Um, just buy Jack Grealish and be happy with it. That's that's who you want. And it's who you deserve. Um, United have paused all transfer activity after a crunch board meeting with funds dependent on. CL uh, qualification they of course go into the last day to play Leicester basically all they need to do is avoid defeat and they're in so unless Brendan Rodgers finds his testicles and goes all out and can find a way to beat them they're going to be in the Champions League next year Tottenham are tracking Roma and Italy midfielder Nicolo Zaniolo who is viewed as a future potential signing well, that's generally why you would track someone is because you view them as a potential future signing. That's a very strange thing that Guardian have said. He's a phenomenal player, a huge talent, but just back off a bad knee injury and Roma have made it clear they're not going to sell him this year. So I'd put no stock in that one, but maybe something to watch for next summer. Hard to know where he fits, though, in the current Spurs makeup unless they're planning to sell Delhi Ali, in which case Liverpool should be all over that. West Ham are lining up Queen's Park Rangers English midfielder Aberici Easy, who's 22, as one of their top transfer targets this summer, with Crystal Palace also interested in the £20 million player. That's from the Evening Standard. Um, he, he's a really, really talented player. I'm not sure where he fits at West Ham, unless Moisey's going to stick 4-2-3-1, and then maybe you play him as your 10. But they already have Pablo Fornals, they have Felipe Anderson. It's hard to know where he fits, but he's a really good player. He'd be a much better signing for Palace, who need a player like him, uh, than I think he would be for West Ham, whose needs are more likely in defence. Um, West Ham did secure the signing of Thomas Suchek permanently, though, so that's a good deal for them. Um, Ex-Netherlands forward and Arsenal legend Dennis Burkamp said he would be opening open to returning to the club as a coach in the future. That makes sense. They they need all the help they can get. And if I was if I was Arteta, I would be reaching out to Burkamp. Uh at least for the fact that it would 
pacify some of the fan bases and get a bit of a feel-good factor. And they've got really good young attackers there in Reese Nelson, um, in Eddie Nketiah, in Baki Osaka, in the Brazilian kid whose name I can never remember. Really talented players. Burkamp can help all of them develop. Um, that one would make a lot of sense. Uh, also breaking news via Carl Matchett on WhatsApp. Uh, Lille and Napoli have agreed the transfer for Victor Simeon for 60 million euro plus an array of potential bonuses um, that can take it up to 81 million euro. The player will sign a five-year contract with an option to extend for a sixth year according to RMC. A uh, deal to be made official tonight. I think it's an overpay. I think he's good. Uh, I think he's shown a lot of promise, but he's really only had two, two good seasons to this point. And I know he's very young. He's 21. But it's an awful lot of money to put into a project, really. A player who's now going to move to a third country. Um, and I think his fourth club. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he does. I hope he does well. I really, really hope he does well. I, not, I like Napoli, and I would like to see them do well. Interested to see where the money's coming from. Um, is Koulibaly on his way out? Is Fabian Ruiz potentially on his way out? I know there's been talk that Milik might go, but it'll be one to follow. One to follow there for sure. Right, to get us wrapped up then, that's the end of the gossip. Uh, you might remember last week we did the, um, the 100 million budget game. And a bunch of people sent in, you know, their suggestions on how to spend the hundred million. Um, so again, thank you to all of those except you, Ashley Kirk. You don't get a thank you. Still have not gotten over that tormenting comment. So, how would I spend my hundred million? Well, first things first, we'll go with a left back, and I think I've been, you know, quite clear on who my preferred choice would be. Jamal Lewis from Norwich. I think 10 million max gets him. I think you're probably only looking at about 30 to 40 grand a week in terms of wages. That's peanuts for a club like us. Um, so Jamal Lewis would come in as my left back. Profile-wise, very similar to Andy Robertson. I think he's the right age, the right mentality. He is tough as nails, this kid. He will run and run all day. He wants to improve. He's a driven player. I think he fits in really well with the makeup of our squad. Jamal Lewis for left back. There's a couple of other options like Rico Henry and that, but Lewis is the one for me. At centre-back then, um, I'm going to go Bubakar Kamara for two years for us to go and get. I think as a 1v1 defender, he's as good as pretty much anybody in the game right now. Super versatile, can play anywhere across the back four and as your holding midfielder. Um, as mentioned before, Vias Boas just uses him as like a safety valve, like a blankie. Whenever there's something that, that is worrying Mr. Vias Boas, causing him to fret a little bit, he just takes Bubakar Kamara uh, and says, right, you mark him for now. And Kamara just takes him out of the game. He's just a tremendous defender, great man marker, good on the ball, really good organiser, good leadership, has the right level-headed personality that you're looking for. Everything about him is exactly what you want in your football club. 
He's rumoured to have a £27 million buyout. And I would absolutely trigger it straight away. So he is coming in at centre-back. He's the one I want. And I'm very, very happy to have gotten him. So I stick him with, with Lewis. I've now spent £37 million. Um, and I think wage-wise, you're probably looking at 60 to 80 grand a week for uh, Kamara. And that's more than fair. Those two together... Uh, earning him and Lewis earning less than Lovren was for us. So that's obviously money better spent. Uh, into midfield, the obvious one is Thiago. I'm not going to go with him. I'm going to look at Thiago as a signing that if Ginny leaves, I think Thiago comes in. I think that's what we're looking at. That Ginny will go and Thiago will come in. So I'm taking that as a separate thing because he wasn't one of the players I listed uh, in, in the potential players to sell. And Bubakari Samari who I, I just think is is an absolute monster in midfield. Uh, 21, playing for Lille. Dynamo box-to-box player. Could be your holding player. Great at breaking play up. Great at progressive runs. A good passer of the ball. An adventurous player. Still very young. Still a lot more growing to do. I think with the likes of Fabinho, with the likes of Henderson, with the likes of Ox... Uh, Ginny or Thiago, whichever one's at the club, and the likes of Naby all around him. I think he'd learn so much from them every day, uh, and I think you'd, you'd end up with one of the best midfielders in the world on your hands. Um, of all the French midfielders who've been deemed the next Vieira, he might be the only one actually worthy of the title. He is going to be great, and I think for a fee somewhere in the region of thirty-five million you would get him and he would come in and be a a brilliant addition to the squad. And then finally, in the front three, there's a number of different options. And Memphis was always my go-to, but I'm looking more at the profile. I'm looking more at the age, the potential room for growth, and also the personality side of it. Because even though I think Memphis would be fine, I think Virgil and that would keep a lid on any potential problems there's still potential problems so I think I'll go for someone who I think has the ceiling to become a world-class attacker I think predominantly he would be a Bobby replacement Um, but I'm going to go with Jonathan David from Ghent I think he has the potential to become a world-class forward I think he can play any of the front three positions I think predominantly you'd want him playing centrally long term because I think as a goal scorer and a creator, he can become an all-rounder. Uh, not just a goal scorer, but like over 10 assists last season in league football. Um, he was heavily linked to Lille, but it appears that deal has fallen through. And they've signed uh, Yilmaz, the, the Turk, who's like 35. So that's just a weird uh, short-term signing. But I mean, Jonathan David is 20. And he's already got 30 senior goals for Ghent. Uh, last season, he had 18 in the league and 10 assists. 23 and 40 in all competitions. And like I say, in double figures for assists. I think he's a better prospect than a Simeon. I think he is matching a Simeon's performance right now. And a Simeon's a year ahead of him in, in terms of age. Um, I, I would go heavily in on Jonathan David and whatever I have left in my budget I think it's 28 million 
I think that'd be more than enough to get him. I think you'd probably get him for about 22 to 25. Um, and I think in, in 12 months, he's a 50 million pound player easily. I think he can play centrally with Mo and Manny either side. He could play on the left with Bobby and Mo. Um, he could play instead of Mo, but I think he would again move Mane to the right and keep him on the left. But I think he'd fit well with Minamino. He could play in a two, one behind one. I think Jonathan David would add a new dimension to our squad. So the four I'd go for again, Jamal Lewis, Bubakar Kamara from Marseille, Bubakari Samare from Lille, and Jonathan David from Ghent. I think 100 million easily gets them. Easily. And the wages will all be very affordable. You could realistically get all four of them wage-wise for less than we were paying Lalana and Lovren. And you'd get four players that are going to contribute an absolute ton. Um, I think they'd safeguard the future as well because I think they'd all be good enough to be first-team players. The only one that you'd look at and say, well, maybe he maxes out just a little bit below being a regular starter for us is Jamal Lewis, but I think he'd be a tremendous backup. And worst-case scenario, you have him for two years, you develop him, and you flip him on for $20 million. Um, But no doubt in my mind that Bubakar Kamara could become first-choice centre-back. No doubt in my mind that Samari would become a first-choice midfielder. And no doubt in my mind that Jonathan David would become uh, a starting number nine for us. I think the three of those, you're buying three potentially world-class talents. And Jamal Lewis is just a really, really good fit and a really good prospect to develop and either have behind Robbo or, like I say, flip him in two years and then bring in someone else to do the job. Um, so that's what I would do. That's my four. Um, I'm sure you've all been waiting with bated breath for them. Um, and that's it. That's me for today. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, I hope you're enjoying these. I'm definitely enjoying doing them. I'm not sure Guy is enjoying listening to me ramble for uh, for an hour, but thank you, as always, to Guy Drinkle, who, uh, who produces these for me. Um, make sure you're checking out all the stuff that we're producing on Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro. If you're not already on the pro side, do do check it out. It's absolutely brilliant stuff. I, I genuinely believe it is the best caliber of podcast anywhere about any football club from Trev Downey and Jan Mulby and Mulby on the spot to Dan Kennett, Gags Tandon, Dan Rhodes and Simon Brundish with Under Pressure, Euro Incision with Nina, Media Matters with, with Gags and Nina, um, Scouser Tommies, Retro Reds, Rival Recon, AI Scouted, myself and Carl Matchett. Um, there's just such a wide-ranging Mindfield, which is a, a podcast about the mental aspect of football, is just incredible. It's unlike anything else out there. Money Talks with Mo Chatra is fantastic. We've got Kenny Dogleash. You know, who else is doing Kenny Dogleash as a podcast? Eddie Gibbs, Paul Dogleash, and the King, the King and AI. It's brilliant every single time. My only complaint is it's not frequent enough. So send your complaint letters about that to Eddie Gibbs. Just write Care of Scotland 
and it'll get to him. That's how it works up there. If you just write Eddie Gibbs, care of Scotland, your post will get to Eddie. Um, but so do check out AI Pro. It's a bargain. It's really, really good price. There's a free trial, so you can just check it out, see what you think of it, and then stick with it, because I think you will. I genuinely think you'll want to stick with it. Also check out the shop, the new shop that we have, anfieldindex.shop, where there's new products going up every couple of days. I actually can't keep track of the amount of stuff the guys are getting ready to go and release, but uh, Nina, Gags, Eddie, and Greg have put a whole ton of work into this, and the outcome is brilliant. Um, Really, really good stuff. Uh, The last thing I wanted to plug then is it's not an AI AI product. It's from cop-chance.com and they're doing these champions medals memorial type medals to celebrate Liverpool winning their title uh, and they look great they genuinely do uh, cop-chance.com they've got those and they've also got these really cool like nightlight 3D effect type things that look great so check those guys out um, they're on discord at beef that's his name, at Beef, uh, on Discord, on the AI Discord. Check those out. They're really, really good. If you go into the AI live show chat, Gags has put up a picture of his one, and then Harinder shared the link with me. I went and bought one. I bought one of those lamps as well because they look really cool. Uh, and they're saying they're going to set up a discount for Anfield Index, uh, which is very, very cool. They don't have to do that, but it's great to see them doing it. So. Um, yeah that's it that's me for today thank you as always i hope to see you next week take care of yourselves and remember the reds are the fucking champions Podcast Network.